everybody, and welcome to Speaking of Sustainability, the show where we introduce you to the leaders and change agents making a difference in the sustainability space. I'm your host, Colleen Felicki. After starting my composting business in 2017, I quickly realized that our communities are looking for more ways to be sustainable in their daily lives and to support eco-friendly businesses. I'm so excited to introduce you to some sustainable superheroes as we all look to make our planet a better place for years to come. I love that music. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Speaking of Sustainability. I'm so excited that you're joining us again today. Thank you again for following, sharing, and liking our show. Um, It means a lot. Um, Share with the people in your life that uh, you want to learn more about being sustainable. Speaking of that, you know that we always start the show with uh, a little fact. And today's fact is a plastic bag is used for an average of 12 minutes, but will remain in the environment for 1,000 years before it decomposes. Wow. That's, that's uh, powerful. Um, that's enough for me to say, you know what? No more, no more plastic. <laughs> um, no more plastic bags. Um, I hope you'll consider alternatives to plastic bags um, after hearing about this and um, speak up in your community to make a change. Uh, so uh, without further ado, I am super excited to introduce Erin McCool, she's here with me today. She is the founder of Cool Heron LLC. Welcome, Erin. Hi, Hi, Colleen. How are you? Thanks for having me today. I'm great. Thank you for being with me today. I'm super excited to learn more about what you do and uh, have you share your um, sustainability journey with our listeners and viewers. Sure. So, um, a little bit about Erin. Uh, she um, she is has been in the sustainability world for a while now, but she is in environmental education um, in our schools in our communities, and um, she's going to talk a little bit about uh, what she does and how she works uh, with uh, schools in our communities. So, well, first, I guess just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started on your sustainability journey. Sure, absolutely. Well, I. Th- I feel like I've always been on a sustainability journey, right? My entire career I have spent working for environmentally focused organizations. I spent 14 years working at Philadelphia Zoo, um, and then I spent about six years working for an environmental education center here in Montgomery County as well. Um, And so along that whole journey, I've had a lot of experience working both with communities on conservation-based programs where say, for example, scouts are advocating for things like sustainable palm oil and um, saving the planet. And um, over the last couple of years, I've really developed deep partnerships with schools in the public school system and really recognize the need for high quality support for environmental and sustainability education in schools. And so that's really where Cool Heron is focused is um, how do we advance this work to build environmental literacy in students and also teachers and families? And, and it sort of spreads from there. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious about the name as well, uh, as far as where that came from. And is it 
it's kind of a play on words from you used to work at the zoo or how does, how did that come about? It's so funny that you asked me that question. So I have a good friend who's helping me with marketing. And so she knows me really well and we go out um, often and, you know, check out the local creeks and waterways and we always see herons and I always comment sort of on the side, Oh, that's my favorite bird, great blue heron. They're amazing. You know, you see them very often in Southeastern Pennsylvania along our waterways. They're pretty common actually. And they're just this big, impressive bird. So I always love them. Um, and so she helped me create the name actually. So it's sort of a play on McCool, cool and heron, mm -hmm. which is the great blue heron. And so um, that came directly from her. Um, she has her own um, climate communications organization called the hope symbol.com. So a little shout out to, to Rhonda there with the hope symbol. So she helped me create that as well as um, the logo too, which is really nice. great website. Yeah, it's, it's catchy. Yeah. Um, you remember it. Um, yes. Where did the, the vision for, you know, having this um, business, Cool Heron, where did that sure. come Yeah. So, you know, as a, a nonprofit leader working for different organizations um, and also working to partner with schools, one thing that became really clear to me is that when you're running a complex organization, uh, there are many challenges to partnering with another complex organization like a school system. And what we saw during COVID was those deficits that existed already were just really sort of exacerbated. And so it's hard to maintain um, an environmental education center while at the same time providing um, really meaningful experiences that are supporting schools who are going through all of their own um, challenges. And so I really felt like the time was right um, to develop a, a company that is not necessarily focused on anything other than building up these partnerships. And so allows me to go much deeper with the partners that I work with, whether they be nonprofits or schools or, or, or really essentially both working together. Okay, so you do go into schools um, and you provide the education there, or how does that work? Do they go to an sure. off-site location? So there's um, the beauty of Cool Heron is that we can really meet schools where they are and we can be anywhere. And that's really appropriate because when we think about the environment, it's, it's all around us. It touches every aspect of human life. Um, so if if you are in a city or if you are in a suburb or a rural community, you are connected to the environment in some way and you're impacted by the environment in some way. And so the focus of Cool Heron uh, is to work directly with school districts and teachers, as well as nonprofits and organizations that do environmental education to build experiences that are relevant to where you are. So if you're a school that's in a city, we're going to um, provide services like classroom programs. We can work with teachers to um, help them advance their own environmental literacy and instruction around sustainability. But then we can look at what parks are near you. What does your school ground look like? Where are the opportunities at your school to do environmental education? Um, and so we've got a lot of flexibility in that respect. Um, the other thing that is quite beautiful about Cool Heron is that we're small and so we can be flexible. And so it's really about changing um, education. You know, mm -hmm. I have a, a 
professional colleague who once said to me, I feel like education is, go is going through a renaissance right now, right? Like we have an opportunity to really change our perspective and think differently about how we educate children. And when we um, do our education through the lens of the environment and sustainability, we can really help to build students up and prepare them to thrive in a world that has really mm -hmm. complex challenges in the future. 100%. I love what you're doing and it's so needed in our communities and our schools. Um, I, I was thinking along the lines of like, are kids, do you find that kids are more in, uh, or engaged uh, when they're learning about this or ha yes. how do they react differently than you think like they would yeah. in a classroom setting? So the research is, is showing that students today are far more concerned about things like climate change than any other generation and are really demanding that something be done about these environmental challenges. So number one, the motivation is there. But number two, there's um, a really large body of evidence that demonstrates for so many reasons when students learn through an authentic a context like the environment around you or environmental issues that your community is experiencing or the outdoors, that cognitive learning goes up when you are outdoors, your ability to um, pay attention and to focus all go up. Cognitive learning goes up, but at the same time, overall well-being and mental health increases as well. Um, and there's many psychological theories that um, support that. One thing I find really interesting, I found um, some research on this recently, there's something called attentional restoration theory, which basically shows when you're learning, you have to have very directed attention, right? Like you've all had this experience where you um, have to really focus on, on learning and, and concentrating. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come easy. And so when you spend even short periods of time outdoors, it gives your brain the opportunity to rest. And then when you come back, you, we find that students have um, better attention and score better on tests after having those breaks outside, which is pretty magical. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, I heard that you should get up so many times throughout the day and take a walk or um, get in, you know, walk in nature. Um, Do it outside. If you're going to get up every 15 minutes anyway, the research is pretty clear. If you can be outdoors mm -hmm. or if we can um, provide access to students to view the outdoors, mm -hmm. any sort of connection with the environment um, is really beneficial. That's so good to know. You're doing so much good out there, Erin. <laughs> Um, what suggestions would you give a school who uh, would want to engage in your services? How, how do they get started or who should they call? Sure. Yeah. So we have some resources on our website. Um, we've got a blog up there now. We'll continue to add to that. That has some information. So the really exciting thing is Pennsylvania is supporting this work in a lot of ways. We recently adopted the um, what's being called the Pennsylvania Steels Standard. So it's the uh, science, technology, engineering, environmental literacy, and sustainability standards. And so environmental literacy and sustainability are built into these new standards that are going to be implemented over the next couple of years. And so um, there is a capacity building group that I'm a part of. Um, and one of the tools that we're looking at is uh, something called a meaningful watershed education experience um, that has um, been developed by NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. I've got like all of these big words here. <laughs> um, and so this is a, a framework that allows students to 
really investigate authentic um, issues that are happening in their own community um, to explore through data what is happening and explore solutions and then implement those solutions. And all of those things are, are really the recipe to building environmental literacy. Um, and you're not alone, right? So there's the Department of Education that's supporting this. There mm -hmm. are many environmental education organizations that are supporting this work. Cool Heron can support you by helping you identify your local center and helping to pull both organizations together to build an experience that looks probably a lot different than your traditional environmental education lesson or field trip. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at something that is sustained over a course of a semester or many semesters throughout your school district or throughout your school year. Um, and we're also looking at experiences that are, they're not one hit wonders, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to look across all of the instruction that's happening in your school and say, where do we pull in uh, literacy and math? You know, a big part of science is reading and writing. And, and mm. that's something we don't think about when we think about science. So um, no, no, not at all. Disciplinary. Yeah. What age group would you say that leads me to like, what age group would you say is ideal to start digging into yeah. the environmental education? I mean, I, it's, you can start this when your students, before they even reach, you know, a school system, right? And what you're doing at each grade level is going to look very different. And so mm -hmm. certainly elementary is a magical age for this work, I always say. Um, and interesting, across the country, teachers will tell you and school district administrators will tell you the amount of time allotted to science is really small in an elementary school day. Um, over the last couple of decades, there has been a prioritization of math and reading, which is, of course, very mm -hmm. important, but that has come at the expense of science and social studies education. And so science and social studies is really where I say, you know, it becomes real, right? Like you can learn how to do math, you can learn how to read, but you need to learn how to read and write about something <laughs> and something Absolutely. that you care about. And these are experiences, these are hands-on mostly experiences yeah. that these kids have when they work yes. with your program. Yeah. So having kids go outside and um, experience things and, and investigate is really crux of it. You can start in kindergarten and, you know, you can sort of build from there. And there are experiences that you can do all the way up through middle and high school. This is fantastic. This makes my heart happy. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for all these great answers. And I'm glad that you're sharing this with us. I just want to remind everyone to follow Cool Heron on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and hop on their website because there's a, a way you can sign up for the newsletter. Um, and uh, just you know, contact her to find out how you can start building a sustainable education program at your school or organization. Highly recommend it. Um, but before we get out of here, um, we're going to we're going to talk about the breakdown here. Um, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. And um, we're, uh, I'm going to ask you, um, what would you say um, the, the power of teaching and learning in the outdoors has on the, the students and also the uh, administrators, faculty, the folks that are, are participating along or teaching the students? So it's a good question. We, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but we know that when we spend out time outside, we feel good. Um, there is uh, some research and some studies that show that 
job satisfaction goes up in teachers that use outdoor learning. And the power of being outdoors is, is that it really helps not only build your ability to learn how to investigate what's the world around you, but you also benefit from all of the things that being outside gives you. And that is improved physical fitness, um, mental well-being. Um, we always talk about how great it feels to, to get outside in the fresh air. So it's a win-win. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And um, again, I just want to thank everyone for watching. Uh, you just uh, watched episode four. And um, please, please uh, share, like, and uh, continue to follow us on wherever you get your podcasts. Also, YouTube. Thanks. Thanks, Erin. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of Speaking of Sustainability. Please follow and support our guests as we encourage you to continue doing your part to make a difference in our global community. And don't forget to rate, like, and share. See you next time. Hey.